Well, good morning, Dunbar family. It is good to be together this morning, uh, as always, uh, to bring some of God's word to you. My name is Dave. If we haven't yet met, uh, I have the privilege of watching over our youth and young adults. So if you are a youth or young adult that I haven't met or we haven't had a chat in a while, I would love to connect or reconnect uh, with you. Now, we've been in this series, so if you're new, you may not know this, but we've been in this series called In Formation, this, this formative kind of experience of spiritual disciplines. It's these practices, these practices to help us grow to be more and more like Jesus. Now, we've already this summer, because we're kind of coming to the end of summer, isn't it? We're looked at, we've looked at a number of key practices, these key disciplines that are essential. I want to stress that, essential for the Christian life, to grow and mature and to become more like Jesus. They're so important. Practices like word, being at God's word, being in prayer, as we heard from Kent a number of weeks ago, and just last week, worship, kind of knowing who God is and what he has done. So today, we're going to work on a sort of responsive, responsive practice. We're responding to God in word and prayer and worship. It's this practicing of, of remembering, of remembering God, who he is and what he's done, which is, of course, so important for our Christian life. And you may think, okay, that sounds good, but you may not associate this practice with it. We're going to look at the Christian practice of journaling. What? Oh, you'll find out more. It's really good. Now, let me start with this. Like, why would I, why would I worry about journaling? That seems like a, a strange thing to talk about in church. I personally have a remembering issue. I forget stuff. Oh, I forget stuff. I, I forget stuff all the time. Now, names, that, that is one of my worst. You know, if someone tells you your name, like, hi, my name is, and then all of a sudden it's bye-bye, right? I really wish I could remember names better, right? I know there's some tricks, mind palace stuff, I still forget. I still forget. I was at Quanos this week. I saw Courtney and our team there. It was awesome. I went there just for, for a day, and it was an amazing thing. I probably heard 100 names, and I think I remember three, and those were the people that I already knew, right? So I have some issues with, with names. Now, I've always been that way. That's, my brain's a little scrambled. So maybe you're a little like me and you have trouble remembering, not just like important stuff like birthdays and anniversaries, but hey, where did I park my car? Or I know my wallet's around here somewhere, right? Now, some of you, on the other hand, might have great memories. And of course, you are the people that I rely on for everything. When is this? What's happening? What's the rule of this game? I don't know. But and let me get this, put us all together in the same boat. All of us, even with physically capable brains, we forget the most important things about God his grace and his love and his forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We forget all the time. So even if our brains are, are kind of neurotypical, even if I do really well in these things like remembering you know, games and activities where you have to remember really complicated things, even if all those things are clear, we still live in an incredibly distracting culture and world, don't we? we have what I want to just call a lot of noise, constant noise, whether it's the sounds of electronics buzzing or things in our hand, right? Music playing, which is obviously great. Sirens going, fans blowing. You can hear them. 
but also the sounds of complicated questions in my head or trying to figure out how to relate to someone. Here's someone new. How do I even relate to them? Kind of thing. Or maybe you've got some anxious thoughts about life and death and all sorts of things. Or maybe I'm just pondering things I have to do next. Don't have to do this and this and this. Big life decisions. I don't know about you. There's so much noise all around me here and right here. So much noise. And then we come to church, and you're asking the question, well, what about God? If I follow Jesus, how do I follow Jesus? How do I live in the ways that Jesus says are right? How can I love Jesus better? How can I stop doing the things that Jesus says hurts my soul, sinful and disobedient things? And if the most important person in my life is supposed to be God, how can I filter out all that noise on the outside and on the inside? How can I remember who God is and what he has done? How can I help remember those things? Well, today, we're going to look at a spiritual practice that helps us to genuinely experience the world with all its faith and doubts and all those things. Genuinely remember God, who he is and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. And genuinely respond with a renewed faith. So we've been talking about in formation, that formative experience. We're going to be looking at this spiritual practice, this information practice, this work of remembering God, responding to God. And we're going to do that through, and there's many ways to do this, but we're going to do this through the spiritual practice of journaling. Now, in order to get into this, to look at this spiritual practice of remembering, we're going to focus on a passage in God's Word. It's a great passage in God's Word. We're going to look to 1 Samuel chapter 7. So we're going to remember God through this. Now, we've got some wonderful things that this passage lays out for us. Then, I think this is going to be really kind of fun. It's maybe a little different. We're going to take Psalm 73, and we're going to kind of practice this remembering, this journaling kind of together. We're going to do that together, almost like a, a devotional that we're doing together in Psalm 73. And then finally, we're just going to look at some practical ways of applying this. How can we actually, you know, write a journal? So to start with, we're going to begin with 1 Samuel chapter 7. And I'd love it if you would turn with me in your Bibles, your Bible apps, open those up. And when you find 1 Samuel chapter 7, so it's kind of towards the beginning of your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 7, would you stand with me and we will look at this amazing passage. So 1 Samuel chapter 7, starting at verse 13. I know this might be out of the blue. We'll, we'll explain it a little bit, so don't worry. So the men of kirith Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord. So the ark of the Lord has uh, these amazing things. It has God's word in it. It has uh, special ex- sort of experiences of God's people inside this kind of box, right? It's the ark of the Lord, very important to God's people. So they took it and they brought it to Abinadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eliezer, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. So they have this. The ark remained at kirith Jerim a long time, 20 years in all. Then the people turned back to the Lord. Oh, so there's a problem. People hadn't been looking to the Lord. So Samuel, who's this wonderful leader, so Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of all the foreign gods and asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines who want to attack them, right? 
So the Israelites put away their bales and asterisks and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When Israel heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hands of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, this is a great story. Some of you are thinking, well, so what? But it is a pretty good story, right? Now, to put it in a bit of context, and we'll get to the, the, the main point here, the people of Israel were being led by Samuel. He's this faithful prophet and judge. Now, if you know the story, his, his mom, Hannah, had dedicated this miracle baby to the Lord. And Samuel grew up in the temple and kind of growing up in church. Now, by the time we get to our story, Israel has been listening, what I would say, to the noise of the cultures all around them. They're ignoring God and acting on their own. And as a result, the Bible says they were actually defeated by a stronger people, this, these Philistines. Now, you might remember the fearful power of the Philistines in the story of David and Goliath. And uh, Goliath is this fearsome giant of a warrior. So if you, you know that story, you know the Philistines. They're pretty scary. So at this point, God's people, Israel, realize they are lost without God. And I'll, I'll read us a little bit. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. And then verse four, it says, so the Israelites put away their bales and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. So here's a really cool thing. In a very powerful way, they shut out the noise of the competing culture and their own personal noise and rejecting of God. They show commitment and faith by fasting and repenting. Remember, those are good spiritual practices we've been talking about. Verse 5 shows us that. Then Samuel said, assemble all Israel at Mizpah and I will intercede. Pray with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, which is kind of cool, this is like this watchtower city to kind of watch over all of Israel. They drew water. So they took this precious water and they poured it out before the Lord. On that day, they fasted. There's that beautiful practice of fasting. God is more important than our food. 
Then they confess, we have sinned against the Lord. Okay, so here's this beautiful picture of hearts being changed. But this point is when the Philistines can see, they can see Israel, they can see God's people gathered, and they're ready. They're going to, okay, we're going to attack them. So Israel's afraid, genuinely afraid. And they come to Samuel and ask him to pray for them, like the prophet and judge they know him to be. Samuel does pray. He does come before God with a sacrifice to ask God's forgiveness, this this prayer, this key spiritual practice. Then, and it shows us in verse 9, Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic, this confusion, this noise, that they were routed before the Israelites. Whoa. So that's a pretty cool story. God moving in extraordinary ways like thunder and armies, right? A story of God's people repenting, fasting, praying, and moving towards genuine faith. So what's my point bringing up this story passage from long ago? What does that have to do with the spiritual practice of journaling. Because, you know, here's something really cool. Now, God does this kind of thing all the time. Maybe not as dramatic as thunder in armies. Okay, fair enough. I don't have a lot of thunder in armies in my life. But God loves our turning to him in repentance, fasting, prayer for forgiveness. How can this story help me in all my noise, my forgetfulness, my distractions, my turning to all sorts of other things besides God, my idols and obsessions. How could this story make me more like Jesus? Well, one word. Ready for it? Ebenezer. What? What? Verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set up between Mizpah and Shen, that watchtower city, and another city. He named it Ebenezer, saying... Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Here's here's the thing. Many of you know this already. Ebenezer, this word, it's kind of a Bible word, basically means stone of help. Stone of help. Now, isn't Samuel just making an obvious faith statement? Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Or kind of in another way, all along, the Lord has helped us. What's so helpful about a stone? Well, good question. Let us get into it. And I promise it's good. Some of you might be thinking, what's the big deal? You know, here's some guy who likes geology. I don't know. Maybe he likes landscaping. Very cool. A very cool practice. Or here's some guy who sets up a pet rock and and names it, right? Art therapy, also very good. Also very good. Or, and I think this is what the Bible is saying, if you look more carefully we might see and learn something even more beautiful. Verse 12 again. Then Samuel took up a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. What's happening with God's people here? And I would say at least three things, and these are important things. God's people are genuinely experiencing God. They're genuinely experiencing God with all the ups and downs. Secondly, they're physically 
and spiritually remembering God. That's really important. And thirdly, they're creating this ongoing response to God. Now, spoiler, that's basically what the practice of spiritual journaling is. Firstly, genuinely experiencing God, seeking to experience God. Secondly, physically and spiritually remembering God. And thirdly, creating this ongoing response to God. So those are the three things we're actually going to be looking at for the rest of our time together. Genuinely experiencing God, physically and spiritually remembering God, and creating an ongoing response to God. Those are very good things. Let's look at it first. Genuinely experiencing God. This Ebenezer practice encourages us, like in our passage, God's people experience a spiritual shift from not trusting in God to genuinely seeking and turning away from all their noise and idols and distractions and forgetfulness. And we see this with their spiritual practices of fasting and prayer. They have these genuine experiences of of repentance, of, of turning away from those things and turning towards God. Genuine experiences of fear, don't they? And new trust. Those things are worthy of note, worthwhile remembering. Now, in our own lives, there's so many ways for us to experience God. Stuff happening all around us in the world. Things of of faith and doubt. Things of confusion. Any emotion, you can name it. This passage encourages us to genuinely and honestly engage in that experience with God. So this is, I think, kind of the fun part. So we're going to look at Psalm 73 together. And spoiler, Psalm 73 kind of acts like a, a journal itself. And we're going to kind of remember God through that and just kind of an experience as if this is a scripture that's leading us through kind of a journaling process. Now, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you, but you can if you want. You can have it open, Psalm 73, if you like. See what you think. So if we read in Psalm 73, this is how it starts. Surely God is Israel, good to Israel, but to, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, here's this genuine experience. My feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I wonder if that's something you can genuinely relate to. When you and I consider the culture that we live in, it seems there are a lot of people getting away with cheating, lying, stealing, getting rich and prosperous. does not feel fair. That's a genuine experience of the noise around us. You can see that in in business, in politics, education, maybe even in some of your own personal experiences and relationships. Now, I was at at camp this week, and camp's a wonderful place, great Christian camp, Camp Qantas. But I did notice there were some boys who were being a bit mean to some other kids in their cabin and making it a really hard time for that kid to have a good time. And they were having a great time. And this kid wasn't having a great time. I thought, that isn't fair. That's a genuine experience. And the camp counselors were doing awesome things to make everyone have a good time. But I didn't notice that. It's just like, that doesn't feel fair. I don't know if you've had experiences like that where it just doesn't feel fair. Take note of that. Let's read on in our psalm. Verse 15 says that God moves in the heart of the writer. 
if I had spoken out like that with this envy and anger and, and, and fear, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you despise them as fantasies. Well, wait a second. The psalmist says, goes into the sanctuary of God, like going to church, then is reminded of the bigger story of God, remembers God. Now, I don't know how many times you've had this experience where you're kind of busy with all the noise and forgetfulness and distractions, but when maybe you read something in God's Word, or you're maybe praying to God, or you come to church, or you talk to a Christian friend, God's Spirit does something. Like this Ebenezer experience, you remember who God is and what He has done for us in Jesus. And we can remember the cross and Jesus' forgiveness and love. And we can have this genuine experience of God's grace and help. I don't know if that's ever happened to you when you were kind of distracted and all of a sudden someone said something, or you read something, you're just like, wait a second, God is good. And so at the end of Psalm 73, the psalmist ends the story very differently than the beginning. Verse 23 says, Yet I am always with you, talking to God. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory, whom I have in heaven but you. And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Now, just like for the psalmist, God is with me and with you. He's our sovereign Lord, our guide and strength and righteous judge. All the stuff we can be envious of is nothing compared to God now and forever in glory. But I still get lost in the noise. I still get lost in the noise. I get lost in the noise of other people's stories, of things going on. Now let me just share kind of an embarrassing reality. I have an athletic app. I'm not going to name the app. Um, it helps me keep track of my own stuff, my own you know, activities and exercise, right? But why is it that when I bike 30 kilometers, which I think is pretty good, I see a friend on that app who has biked 130 kilometers up a mountain or something. It's like, really? Why is it that when I go for a trail run for 10K, that's pretty, oh, that's pretty good, right? I see someone has just done an ultra marathon starting at 5 a.m. Now, these are all good accomplishments, right? But I get lost in the noise. I get lost in the noise of that. Like, oh, no, I'm envious of them. I'm thinking, what? I, their story seems better than mine. So I can relate to getting distracted by the culture around us. But I can also relate to remembering that Jesus is always with me and will never leave me or forsake me and leads me to forgiveness and eternal life and glory. So 
what might we do with all these experiences? We could just let them kind of fade away into our distractions and forgetfulness, hide them away, or we can create something like at Ebenezer, which leads to my second point, physically and spiritually remembering God. What might it look like for us to make an Ebenezer today? What might it look like for us to physically and spiritually remember God in the midst of our noise as our helper? Now, every time we experience God in some wonderful way or maybe some hard way, we could set up a stone in our gardens. We could do that. Um, and yes, that's actually quite a sweet practice in, in some ways. But I, I actually know that if I did that, I would forget what all those stones were there for. But you see, over the centuries, Christians have actually taken the same beautiful experiences as the Ebenezer to remember God, to remember His Word, to remember His work in our lives, and to practice prayer and worship and listening. And I'm encouraging you that this can be found in a spiritual practice of journaling, this discipline, this formation of Christian journaling. Now, you hear this, you might be thinking, hmm, I'm not sh quite sure about this journaling thing. It sounds like something I might have done in school. No, don't worry, it's not exactly like what you would have done for a school project. Or it's not just like a, a dear diary, and you're just kind of like, hello, this is all the things in my head. And it's not necessarily like a, a diary of kind of like a scholarly lab document, or here's all the, the list of things, although it can contain all sorts of those features. The Christian practice of journaling is remembering God in a physical way, recording those experiences of the world, of God, of faith, of doubts, of Scripture, of prayer, of worship. It's a real and tangible remembering, like the Ebenezer stone, like this stone that won't kind of go away. It's stuck there, right? We're writing down our very real experiences of who God is and what he has done. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. So what could a spiritual journal look like for you and for me? That brings us to our third and final point. It's creating an ongoing response to God. Now, there are tons of different ways you could create an Ebenezer journal, recording and remembering who God is, how he is with us, how he helps us, how he saves us. But what are some best practices, some best ways that we can fix our hearts on Jesus and remember who he is and what's he, what he's done? What are some ways that Christians for centuries have shut down the noise of the world, remembered God, and responded so that we can actually be sent out into the world without all that noise, more clear and thoughtful of what God has done for us and how he is sending out for his purposes. I just want to keep it simple. I want to keep it real simple. I want to rec recommend a physical book. I know that's a bit old school. A physical book you can actually write in with actual ink. What? Now, some people keep uh, these amazing journals that are digital, and you can do all sorts of cool things with digital stuff. I love it. If that's you, that's totally fine. But I really recommend a physical 
book, to physically write it. Because what I found with over 20 years of keeping this Ebenezer-type book, this journal, is physical paper, writing down in your own printing or handwriting, no matter how messy it is, I'm quite messy, writing down is actually the best practice because what? You and I need to slow down. We need to slow down, turn off the noise of the culture and our own stuff. Physical journal. Okay, it's good to write on a physical journal, but what would I even write in this Ebenezer, this Christian journal, this spiritual practice of remembering? Let me just list a few things. Get us started. Here's a, here's a really simple one, and I love this one. How about a prayer journal? A prayer journal. You take your journal and just write down some names of people who you know need prayer. But what they need prayer for, you could write their name, and what they need prayer for. And prayer request for, say, healing is a very simple thing. And I've, I've loved seeing the prayer request for Camp Quanos this week. So I could write those down in my journal. Like, here's several things I can pray for every day. I can pray for every day. Maybe there's some situations around you. You think, I'd love to pray for, for, for these situations, but I don't really remember. That's what a spiritual journal could be for. Write down those requests. Maybe there's an injustice around you or something that's really difficult. We could pray for the wildfires all around Canada and the, around the world. That's something you could write in your prayer part of your journal. Or maybe you have some personal prayer needs. You can write down some things to ask Jesus so he can remind you of his love, his, his care for you. You can ask beautiful, impossible things. You can write those down so you remember to pray for those things. You see it in writing. And when, and God does love to answer our prayers, when he does, you see it written right there. A prayer journal. Maybe that's a good place to start. How about this? And this is really important. How about a scripture journal? Maybe write down some verses. You read in your devotion time. You just see a verse. Like, I just love that verse. Just write it down. Physically write it down. I know it's a bit old school. But once you've written it down, maybe you have a question about that verse or that idea. You can write the question underneath. Or it leads you to a prayer Wow, I want to be more like what this passage says. Write it down in your prayer journal. Ask for understanding. I don't understand. This is a big idea. Write it down. Lord, help me with this big idea. And here's a good one. You've written down a verse. Maybe it's a verse you can memorize. Get into your head. Look at it every day. Carry that verse with you, maybe a day or a week, or maybe even for your whole lifetime. Remembering that the Lord indeed is your help. Scripture journal. That's a good place. How about this? Maybe a journal of your experiences, particularly your spiritual ones. Maybe you come to church and you're like, oh, that's, that's, that was what Pastor West pre preached about was, was fantastic. I should, I should probably remember that. And then you just forget it the next day, right? Write it down. Write it down in your prayer journal. Just something that you've been encouraged in your heart, Right? And I tell you, there are so many things you can do with this. You can record some of your, 
thoughts and experiences of God. Now, again, maybe you went to camp this week, or maybe you had a great experience at work or a terrible experience at work. Write those things down. Write those things down. I really met with God this week at Camp Quanos. Just freshly and, and, and amazingly. Write that down so you remember that experience. Maybe when things get hard, you can look back on it. Now, I'll tell you a little example of this. This was, it sounds really random. I was in Stongs uh, this week, and uh, long, long story short, there's not a great reason for it. I just was like, I need a banana. Anyways, uh, I was in Stongs this week, and I ran into uh, my old Greek teacher from Regent College, and who I also have known for many years. And uh, she was the mom of a bunch of my old youth kids who are all now grown up and, and married and have kids and stuff. I ran into her, and, and uh, she was an amazing teacher, by the way. And we just got chatting. And she's a, a lovely human being. And she's actually taking care of an older lady who uh, is quite in her 90s. And she said, and I did not prompt this, she's like, I'm keeping a journal for her. I'm keeping a, so she remembers all the things. She's an amazing Christian lady. She's keeping a journal just for this lady so she can remember prayers that they've been praying. She can remember all the things that they've been talking about and wonderful people have come to visit. She's writing those things down in a journal so she remembers, right? So I said, what? That's really cool. I'm actually speaking on this kind of spiritual practice of journaling. And then this lady, who's an amazing uh, Christian lady, she's like, I love the practice of spiritual journaling. I've been doing this for, you know, decades. And just this week, here's what I've been doing. I've been looking back on my old journals from when my kids were born so I could see all the prayers that I had for them, all the experiences of God I had when my kids were born. And now looking ahead, all the beautiful ways in which God has answered those prayers. That was a beautiful moment that God set up for, for us this week, just, just to remind me how amazing this spiritual practice of journaling is that you can remember God from way decades ago, what he has done, who he is. Ebenezer, that stone, right? Set in stone. Now, your spiritual practice of journaling can be a combination of all of these, and mine is. Mine is. You could, you know, journal your prayers, uh, God's word, your experiences. And as you journal, you're remembering Jesus in your life. You're turning to Jesus. You're fixing your eyes on Jesus, drawing closer to Jesus. You're recording, like an Ebenezer, the goodness of God, his help, his character, right? It's basically an act of worship. It's a beautiful act of worship, kind of written down. Let me end with this. This Christian Ebenezer practice has actually been very transformative in my life. And there's one thing that in the last couple of years I've started doing that's been beautiful, Changed my thinking, changed my attitude. Like I've said before, and this is honest, it's not just like, hey, I'm distracted, and I am. I'm a very distracted, forgetful person. I know that. A lot of noise going on all around me. And so when I get caught up in the noise, sometimes I forget to do my practices as well, like my spiritual practice of journaling, of reading God's word more often, praying more often, being in worship more often. And when those things happen, especially when I forget to record them, because it's helpful, those things, this actually helps me remember those other things, doesn't it? When I do, my heart starts to lose a little bit of its joy. My mind starts to get a little more clouded. 
And I know this is just me, but I complain a little bit more. I get a little more judgy. That's just kind of me. I know that's me. When I forget to do my spiritual practices, it's kind of what happens. Now, as I said, in, in my spiritual practices, like the spiritual practice of journaling, I do love to write down God's Word and be impacted by it. I love to record prayer requests and prayers of my own. And I love to record things that God is doing in my life and the lives around me. I love to record those things. But something that's helped me shift my attitude of envy and disappointment, of fears and anxieties, has been set aside time in my journaling to be thankful. Record the things that I'm thankful for in this Ebenezer journal. And like this Ebenezer, recording the things that God has done for me, whether it's in the struggles, maybe especially in the struggles, or, or not. So if you have kind of difficulty even kind of conceiving of this idea of journaling, you're thinking, ah, sounds good, but I don't know if I need it. Maybe you've, you've never done one, and you're thinking, that just sounds like a lot of work. How about this? Let's just start with this. Every day, in your journal, write five things. Five things you're thankful for to God. Just five things. You could start with two or go all the way to ten, sure. You could do those things. But let's just start simple. Record, remember, bring to God five things that you're thankful for every day. I think we could do that. doesn't sound too hard. Every day, five things. Now, maybe some of them you repeat, like, I'm thankful to God for food or whatever. But as you start to do this, you'll probably kind of expand your thinking. And I would hope to see you build some new things in every day. But here's the thing. You could start to watch that little five things go to 10 things, go to 100 things. So you can see, you can see the physical remembrance of all that God provides. Just a simple practice. See what happens. So this spiritual journaling, this Ebenezer Christian practice, this remembering. Maybe let's just start with Thanksgiving. Just before I, I wrap up, I, I want to say, if you don't have a journal and you want one, I, I've just got some simple ones. They're, they're not like fancy at all. I have some up here. So if you just want to grab one, you're welcome to come and, and grab a journal just to start that journey of, of remembering, of putting down the things that you are thankful to God for, you, you want to pray for, God's word, how good it is. So with all this noise, distractions, forgetfulness, I'm encouraging us to genuinely experience, to seek to genuinely experience God. And in this spiritual journal, to physically, spiritually remember God. And to commit, to commit to this ongoing practice that's wonderful for you in the moment, but can actually feed your soul for years and years to come. This ongoing discipline. It's not just a one-off. This formation over time. And so as we move towards the Lord's Supper, we're actually going to look at the greatest Ebenezer, the remembrance of God's ultimate health. But before we get there, I really encourage you just to take a moment, 
to consider what God has been speaking to you, your heart. Just quiet sort of space and time to let God speak to you. We'll take a moment to do that.